From the studios of One Jack's Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Salvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Revealing. Uh, we thank you once again for joining us. Uh, my name is Robert Engel, and uh, I am here with uh, my my good friends and, and brothers in Christ uh, once again. Um, we are The Revealing, and um, just in case you're new to this, uh, this podcast, uh, we are just a group of guys who get together around the Word of God, and um, we... Don't do the revealing, but we allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to do the revealing, yeah. and uh, we are just grateful for the the privilege of getting to spend this this uh, next uh, episode with you uh, as we look at uh, a brand new topic. Uh, we just closed off on the seven New Testament mysteries, and um, we hope you were part of that journey with us. Uh, but those are archived, so uh, if you weren't, uh, we do encourage you to go check those back out. But um, we are here on a new. Uh, session uh, talking about Daniel's 70th week. Um, but before we get too far into that, um, just in the way of quick introductions, uh, I am here with uh, Pastor Frank Salvaggio once again uh, after a little bit of a break. How are you, Pastor Frank? I'm doing good, thanks. All right. And of course, uh, our, our trusty sidekick here, Mr. Christopher Wing. How are you? I'm well, brother. How are you? All right. Good. Doing well. And uh, we are joined once again um, with, a, a, with a, a guest, another brother of ours. Um, you I may remember he was with us a few weeks ago, um, and he's back, Mr. Jim Martin. He leads our discipleship ministry at One Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, Florida. Jim, good to have you again. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back. All right, great. Um, so uh, again, just just some guys who, who uh, love love the Lord and love the book, and um, we are going to be talking about, as I said, Daniel's uh, 70th week. And uh, so without further ado, I am going to kick us off, if I may, and we are going to jump into that. Um, at in Daniel chapter nine, uh, starting in verse twenty-four through twenty-seven is is where we'll start off, and I'm going to go ahead and get those out there. So, if you have your Bible, uh, that'd be uh, great to uh, to pull up or to to turn to there, and uh, we're just going to kind of unpack some of these things um, and just kind of see how the conversation unfolds as we go along. So, Daniel nine, verse twenty-four: Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, and to build Jerusalem, unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks." The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the con consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So uh, we're going to just kind of take some time here and unpack that. There is so much there. 
Um, so I hope you have your uh, pencil and some paper because uh, um, that, that may uh, prove uh, useful to you. But uh, Pastor Frank, let's get started talking about this and unpacking a little bit about what Daniel 9 has to say. Yeah, so, you know, here's the thing about this passage that uh, I think we have to make sure we understand right from the get-go. When it comes to prophecy in the Bible, uh, I, I think that uh, we would have a very difficult time uh, finding a more important passage to make sure uh, we rightly divide, properly put in, it, in its proper place, and uh, uh, have uh, the understanding uh, that way that God has uh, written it. Uh, there's so many uh, false teachings on this passage uh, that uh, has led uh, so many uh, false doctrinal stances on the, the subject of prophecy uh, that if we don't get this passage right, uh, you, you will run yourself into a lot of trouble. Uh, I, would, I would argue, uh, without any doubt, put me in front of somebody for five minutes, let me talk to them about this passage, and I could probably tell you 90% of what they believe uh, from a prophetic standpoint. Uh, and then once you understand what they believe from a prophetic standpoint, uh, do, do note, uh, as we have spoke about the three applications of Scripture, uh, you know, you have your historical application, you have your uh, devotional application, and then we talked about the, the doctrinal application. But the doctrinal application is prophetic in its, in its, in its uh, understanding. So uh, if you get your prophetic application on this particular passage messed up, I, I will absolutely guarantee you your doctrinal application is going to be messed up. Just based on this one passage. Just based on yeah. this one passage. Yeah. And, and that just goes to show, I mean, the, the Bible is, it's like a, it's a puzzle, and a puzzle only fits one way. Yes. You can't make two pieces fit together that don't, that aren't cut that way, you yeah. see? Um, and so the Word of God is the same way. Rightly dividing the word of truth, it fits together in one way as he designed, and when we wrongly divide it, well, everything that follows after is also ju it just falls apart. Also, I think it's it's an interesting point as it's occurring to me right now is this these particular passages and what they have to deal with the the, pro the prophetic uh, nature of them is all about the what we've called the day of the Lord, and so this the, God clears out so much space in His Word to talk about the, this particular time frame that to not understand this properly to proper not properly rightly divide it, you, it means you're going to misunderstand doctrinally so those, much. All those Bible. other passages, yeah, it, yeah, it's just such a vast uh, you know amount of the Word of God. Agreed. And and I'll just chime in here too. And, and Robert, you bring up a great point about the puzzle. Mm -hmm. You always start a puzzle by what do you look at first? You look at the outside pieces. You get, you get the fundamentals down. You, you, you get what's obvious, and you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And then some of the, the difficult pieces, you've really got to analyze. You really have to look into it. You really have to dig deep. Uh, as, as we like to talk about, you have to study. It takes time and work to rightly divide. And as those pieces, you, you, you put those inner pieces together, and all of a sudden you start to see the picture. But without the fundamentals and while, without... Um, rightly dividing uh, the book and, and understanding the three applications. And, and really, that, that's the basis for the fundamentals. Who was it written to? Uh, you know, the, the time period uh, from a doctrinal prophetical standpoint, um, you're really not going to see a, a clear picture. You're going to try to force, if I can say it this way, a, a square peg into a round hole. It never fits. And if it does, it will break. Right? And so I, I just think that's 
what we're trying to do here in Rightly Divided is really put the pieces of the puzzle together correctly. You don't start in the middle of the puzzle. You start at the edges and work your way into the deeper things of God. Sure. And, and, and if I could say it this way, uh, try to make this a, a good application. I think, Jim, you, you know, you're, you're hitting on something good here with this whole puzzle idea. Um, because certainly that's the way God does this, his Bible. Um, you know, <clears throat> so imagine you have a 5,000-piece puzzle. It's got this picture. Well, then you go to the store and you buy the kids' version of that puzzle. You know, the, 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 the pieces are going to be a little bit bigger and a little easier to put together, if you will. You know, um, and, then, and then imagine you have uh, another puzzle. And you start mixing the pieces into the puzzle. I say all that to say, if, if you don't start with the right puzzle, if you don't start with the right pieces, you're going to start forcing things, forcing pieces to fit together. And then you're, you're going to be all mixed up and you aren't going to know how things fit. And you're going to, you're going to uh, uh, have an issue putting pieces to the puzzle together and you're not going to understand why they're not fitting. So then what you're going to do is you're going to force them to fit or make them do what you want them to do. Maybe get out some scissors and cut them the way you want them so that you can, this is what people do with the Bible. And we need to be very, very careful about that. Uh, you know, obviously, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that we, uh, we are a staunch believer in the King James Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some very, very good reasons for that, and we will discuss those in a future podcast. Uh, but um, I'll say that there's no way uh, you can come to the prophetical insights that God is trying to uh, uh, put on display uh, with 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 another English translation, and 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 you know people would argue with me, and I get that, but you can argue all you want. You're missing pieces of the puzzle. How are you going to put it together? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's a proven fact that uh, uh, you know up to sixty-four thousand words are missing. Uh, out of uh, many of the English translations today, sixty-four thousand words. That doesn't, you know, uh, that that's like taking the book of uh, Hebrews, James, First, Second John, Third John, First Peter, Second Peter, Jude, and Revelation right out of the Bible. I mean, do you think you're going to change something? Yeah, you are. And uh, that's why so many people, you know, that's why we teach mid-tribulation and and post-tribulation and mid-millennialism and amillennialism and. And that's why people don't understand Daniel's 70-week prophecy, which is, in my estimation, as I already stated, the most important, one of the most important verses to make sure you understand. Mm -hmm. you aren't dealing with, if we're not dealing with the same puzzle pieces, you're going to come up to different conclusions. And uh, all I can say is we can stand here and we can argue about which Bible and all that stuff all we want. At the end of the day, uh, God's up there going, I'm the God of heaven. I wrote the book. Stop arguing about what I wrote and start believing what I wrote. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, there's not going to be a, Oh, well, I didn't know. Oh, well, that's just what the, when I went to the bookstore, that's just what the, 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 the guy gave me at the bookstore, that, that, that version. Well, I didn't know that. Well, it's all the Bible. No, it's not. Mm. It's not. And there is a major, uh, importance to understanding that. And, and we're going to see that as we jump into this passage. So, um, if if we could, uh, let's let's the first thing that we need to make sure as we're looking at Daniel's seventy weeks is that um, this who who is this passage written to? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, unfortunately, whenever I've had opportunities to talk to 
people about this passage. Well, you know, generally, generally speaking, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, and, and I think uh, if you're listening right now, um, you know, you have to be honest. If, if you were to call, walk up to the average Christian and say, what do you think of Daniel 70 week prophecy in Daniel 9, 24 to 27? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's going to know what you're talking about. No one's going to have a clue what I'm talking about. And so right there, Okay, so so again, I, I said from the beginning, give me five minutes with somebody. Let me go to this passage, and I'll tell you what they're, where they are. Well, I, I can tell you what their doctrinal stance are. I can tell you where they're at. Uh, so obviously, if I walk up to somebody and I tell them, hey, look at Daniel 9, 24 to 27, what do you think of that passage? Uh, okay, I know you probably don't really have a real good fixture on, on, on major doctrinal stances in the Bible. You probably don't. Uh, that, that doesn't make you a bad person. Uh, what that does, though, is 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 okay. Well, you you probably got some things messed up, and we need to fix them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, who this passage is written to is vital to the understanding of the passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many uh, within the church today, uh, and and many who claim to be churches uh, today that will claim that this passage is uh, uh, in reference to the church. And I will say from, uh, as, as, as diplomatic as I can say it, that is dead wrong. Hmm. This passage is not written to the church. The church isn't 20 miles from this passage. The, the church isn't even thought up of in this passage. The church isn't even referenced in this passage. Mm-hmm. Where does that thinking come from, to be honest? Well, that's that covenant theology mm-hmm. stuff. So it's just assumed. I mean, well, again, you can't get tra- it from the context. When you're trying to fix the pieces of the puzzle, and right. the puzzle doesn't fit the way you want them to fit, you're going <laughs> to start making the pieces fit the way you want them to fit. Yep. So you become the authority there, making it fit how you think or want. And, and hence the reason why at One Baptist Church, what do we always say? We can't all believe on what the Bible says but we can, or means. means right. Can't believe what it means. We don't all agree on what it means, but we can believe what it says. What does it say? And if we just stick with what it says, we're never going to make a mistake. Although I would argue you better make sure you have right. what he actually said right. <laughs> or, or you can make a mistake. But so <clears throat> get this. So as you're going through the book of Daniel, and, and may, this is probably for another time, but, uh, uh, you know, Daniel chapter number two and seven, uh, right. Nebuchadnezzar has a great dream. Yeah. Uh, and then Daniel has a, a dream where he sees four beasts rise up out of the sea. Um, both those dreams, uh, the, the, in Daniel 2, it's man's version of what's coming in the future. Mm-hmm. And then in Daniel 7, it's God's version of what's coming in the future. But they both, they both relate to the same thing. The, so in other words, that image in Daniel 2 that, that Nebuchadnezzar sees has a head of gold. It has a, arms of silver. It, it has a, uh, uh, a girdle of bronze. And it has two legs. Of, of iron. Um, now the, now we know from comparing scripture with scripture without any doubt that the head is Babylon. The, the arms are media Persia. Uh, the, the, the girdle is Greece, Grecia, Alexander, the great's kingdom. And then the, the legs, uh, are, uh, the Roman empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, all written in advance. Mm. Amazing enough. Amen. Um, and then you got uh, Daniel chapter seven, where where Daniel sees the four beasts coming up out of the sea, uh, and again he sees the lion, 
uh, which is, again, Babylon. Uh, then he sees the bear uh, with three ribs in his mouth. That is uh, Media Persia. Then he sees the leopard with four heads. Uh, that is Greece. And when Alexander the Great uh, died, he his kingdom got passed off to his four generals. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you see the great and dreadful beast, uh, which is the Roman Empire and had two legs because ultimately the Roman Empire was going to break into an eastern and western uh, uh, part of the empire. Uh, again, all these things are relevant to the fact of understanding that when it comes to Bible prophecy, if we could get this, I think most people would be in a good place. Here's the end of the day. Here's what it is at the end of the day. The Jews are the chosen people. Mm -hmm. Yes, we get grafted in, but we are not the epicenter of Bible prophecy. Nor have we replaced them. Nor have we replaced them. The Jews are the epicenter of Bible prophecy, right. and Jerusalem yeah. is the epicenter of God's city. Yeah, Not, not Rome, mm -hmm. not, not, not any city in the United States. I've heard some crazy, whacked-out stuff when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. No. L listen, don't insert what's not there to make it fit what you want it to say. What does it say? And, at the, and as we break down this Daniel passage, I, I just want to make sure we're all very clear on the fact that this passage uh, is written uh, to the Jews. Daniel, the last time I checked, is a Jew. Yep. He's a Jewish prophet. Okay, uh, He is in captivity to Babylon. He was taken in captivity uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar took over the, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, if I remember correctly, Daniel's uh, uh, captivity started in the, in the third siege of, of Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, he went into captivity to Babylon. And uh, as the, the years are going by, uh, you know, uh, and as we get to this passage here uh, in, in Daniel 9, uh, what you want to understand is, is that Daniel is understanding that they're coming close to the end of the 70, 70 years that Babylon uh, was to be uh, in in uh, uh, have have Israel in captivity, mm -hmm. okay, and and he got that from Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah uh, was a uh, was somebody who lived uh, around six twenty five B C to uh, I'm not really sure when he died, but he was before Daniel. Uh, he was the the prophet that uh, as the Babylonian Empire was getting ready to take over the uh, the city of uh, of Jerusalem and Israel. He was a prophet warning Israel what was coming. And that's what the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations is all about. Uh, and then ultimately it does go into captivity. But in Jeremiah 25, 11, uh, Jeremiah says this, and this whole land, uh, the land of Israel, shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it make it perpetual desolations. So Daniel, as he's getting as he receives this uh, vision here in Daniel, he's getting ready to receive this vision in Daniel nine. Understand what he's doing. He he knows that the seventy years is is near its 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 end, and so he's. Uh, He's commissioning and praying to God uh, for the forgiveness of Israel's sin. Again, Daniel is a Jew. 
he is petitioning God uh, for Israel's sin. Um, and when I, uh, you know, uh, uh, when you look at the Daniel 9, verse 1 passage, it says, in the first year of Darius, mm-hmm. the son of Assasarius, uh, 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 of the seed of the Medes, uh, you know, Babylon now has been uh, usurped, has been taken over by the Media Persian Empire. Right. Okay. And that's why Daniel, this is why Daniel knows uh, that this, the 70 years has been complete. You know, it says in the first year, Daniel 9 2, of the reign of, of I, Dan, uh, in the first year of his reign, Darius, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So again, uh, understand, Daniel is petitioning God for his people and his city. Mm -hmm. And his people are the Jews, and his city is Jerusalem. If you read anything else into this passage, you are putting it there. If you read this passage for what it says, there's no doubt about uh, who is the focal attention and who is the epicenter it's the jews and it's the city of jerusalem mm. and and he goes on to say in verse five we who's the we yeah that's israel it's we people. have sinned right. and committed iniquity uh and he says oh lord verse seven righteousness belongeth unto thee but unto us confusion of faces as as at this day to the men of judah to the inhabitants of jerusalem so again there's no way we can get out of this He's talking uh, about Israel. And he says uh, in verse 9, To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. Who's the we? In Jerusalem and Israel, to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law. Verse 11. So again, uh, we're talking about Israel. In verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. If you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, God uh, consistently lets, uh, lets Israel know that if they don't follow after the commandments of God, if they don't walk into statutes, that he's going to send these plagues upon them. And certainly uh, uh, God did. Uh, and now look at verse 17. It says, Now therefore, O our, our God, Hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. And 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 and, and then, of course, uh, so now we have uh, verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying mm-hmm. and confessing my sin and the sins of my people Israel, okay, there you go, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain for my God, yea, while I was speaking... Uh, uh, what happens is in verse 22, uh, uh, or verse 21, I'm sorry, Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, uh, comes and, and, and informs him and talks with him, verse 22, and says, I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandments came forth, and I came to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And so what we want to understand here is, is that, first of all, uh, two books that are absolutely must when you're trying to understand prophecy is Daniel and Revelation, mm-hmm. right? 
And we're going to see how this all ties into Revelation in our next episode. We won't really touch that a lot in this one, but this certainly does. And we'll see that tie in the next episode. But I'll say this. Um, here's the deal. Without any, any uh, reservation or any question, Daniel was called greatly beloved. Yep. John the Apostle right. was the apostle that Jesus loved. And both of them mm-hmm. got to see the future mm. and the, 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 uh, the, uh, how this is all going to, quote, unquote, wrap up. Yeah. They got a, a, what we might call a, a, a apocalyptic visions. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, and Frank, as you're going through this chapter and really pulling out the, uh, this is just why every word is important, right? How the context lends to the reality that this is for Israel. Um, it reminds me of Acts chapter 2, where when you just unfold that book, that, that chapter, excuse me, um, and look at where they are and the, the Jewish holiday in which they're celebrating and the men and brethren, um, the people of Israel. I mean, you, you look at these little, the, these they're not they're just simple words, but they paint the picture and if we truly understood that as the church today, we wouldn't go to Acts chapter 2 to say that we believe that we have to be baptized to be saved, because we would understand that the context is to that of, of Israel in that time. And the same thing is unfolding here. As you're just going through this chapter, it just reminds me of that and how important the, the key of context is in Bible study. And, and here's the thing, right? Uh, there are going to be many who will say, yeah, Robert, what you're saying right now is absolutely right. We do believe it's Israel. We're right with you. But the problem is the church replaced Israel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're spiritual once, Israel. Yeah, once yeah. the church replaced Israel, now we can apply this to yeah. the church of course. the same way. Yeah. And I just would challenge anybody on the planet Earth to show me in the Bible one passage that even remotely would state yeah. that God is done with Israel and he has replaced Israel with the church. Well, that that's imp- why this particular Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy is, is even more important, is, is how it ties together as some of the things we talked about in our last several episodes, those seven New Testament mysteries. There were some of those mysteries that tie very perfectly together with this, particularly the one of the restoration of Israel. And we went into that in greater detail, so if you're listening for the first time, I'd uh, encourage you, along with this particular episode, uh, to go back and listen to that, and, and then you can see how it all ties together. But God is certainly not done with the nation of Israel, and knowing that, as you just said, is, is a very, very important thing to understanding this particular prophecy. And, and in Romans 11, Paul says right. very succinctly right. that God is not done with Israel. Yeah. It's just right there. You know, what's interesting is, so we've been doing this podcast now for what a couple months, and we've hit on quite a quite a few different things. And we talked about the ten keys of Bible study, and uh, and context is, is important, and, and 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 rightly dividing, and all those things that we talked about there. And then and then we talked about those seven mysteries, and and one of those mysteries again uh, that Romans eleven, the the mystery of of uh, uh, the blindness that has happened to Israel in, in in part right now. You know what's what, what I think what's so cool about all that is. If if you go back to our original podcast and just start listening, what we what we're trying to do is build these blocks for everybody. Get, get block one, then we can move on to block two. Then we can do, so so how important is it understanding that one of those seven mysteries about Israel? Well, <laughs> here you go. This mm-hmm. is this is why God said there are seven mysteries. He wants to make sure that we are going to be stewards over. Get them. You're going to hold a, be account held be held accountable for them. 
And when you're when you get them and you're and you understand them, go share them with everybody, mm-hmm. right? Because we're gonna we're, we're stewards over them now. How many people know? And you listen, I, I don't think I don't think I, I don't think I'm off base by saying 95% of churches, in some form, in some form, way, shape, or form, however you want to say that, teaches some form of covenant theology. You've already missed out on one of the mysteries. You've are you're not and you're going to be held accountable for that. Oh well, I just didn't know. Well, you, you should have known. Hmm. And God, you know, the judgment seat of Christ is right around the corner, and 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 you, we are going to be held accountable for this stuff. We're not going to be claim ignorance is bliss at that that judgment. You know, and, and if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure twice, not once, but twice, Jesus said, yeah, in the book of Revelation, yep, they who say they are Jews and are not is a synagogue of Satan. So, oh, this isn't that important. Oh, okay. Well, you tell Jesus that. Yeah. Because he said it was a synagogue of Satan. So obviously it's pretty important to him. Uh, we have to understand that Satan is trying to usurp his church. That's what Satan's doing. And it just takes a little seed. And a little seed, man, when it starts to grow, the tentacles go everywhere. Yeah. And that's what happens when we lose sight of Israel. When when we, we we take our eyes off of Israel or we forget about Israel, and that's what a lot of secular human history has done. You go to universities or colleges, even in the public school settings, and a lot of Gentile history um, or, or world history, for that matter, it excludes the nation of Israel. You are not going to find Israel in a lot of the um, uh, textbooks or lectures uh, in history classes, um, and and I honestly believe that in part is. It is a work of the enemy uh, because if we can forget about Israel, um, then th- there's just no place for them, and we've taken our sights off of them from a biblical standpoint, especially. And as, as um, it says in Proverbs, we we enter into the fields of the fatherless. Yeah. And then look what's happening in the world today. You have this huge anti-Semitic uh, you right. know, standpoint that's taking more hold and more now than ever before. If you start removing that, that's what that's what inevitably happens. You know, and you guys have probably heard this too. I, I mean, they're trying to just eliminate the whole Holocaust. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah, I, there I, people I, deny that ever even happened. I mean, sure. that it ever even happened. Sure. And, and we're talking five, six million people. World War II just got uh, exterminated. Yeah. And and so, yep. I mean, we have to remember what the Word of God says. And 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 it's not our opinions or anything else. It's always going back to the Word of God. And and I think about Psalm one twenty one verse four. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall ne- neither slumber nor sleep. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's and, good. And, and that's what it is. Keep keep them in their proper place. Uh, they hey, they are God's uh, chosen people. The prom- promises aren't going away. All he prom- hasn't he hasn't forgotten about them. No, and all the promises that that are directed to them, they will come to pass. Oh yeah. Because if not, God's a liar. The four of us are wasting our time, and we might as well do something else uh, yeah. during during this this hour setting. But you know what? Of course, we believe that the word of God is true. We believe that all promises are true. And if he says that the nation of Israel is going to be restored in his second coming and, and they're going to cry out to him, well, I'm going to believe that. I, I, I mean, I'm just, you know. And how, how can we be pro-Israel if we have replaced Israel? Yeah. You know, we just, we, we can't bless them. We can't support them. We can't pray for them as we ought if we think we are the, the beneficiaries of the promises. Now. Yeah, and, and not to get too political, but look, look at the administration today. We we are so behind Israel right now. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the world doesn't like it. Correct. 
You know, uh, they, they, that's, you know, there's Satan and there's a little Satan. They, they don't like our alignment with, true. with Israel. And, and uh, you know, I'm just thankful that at this point in our history that we are actually behind them and we recognize that mm-hmm. uh, only if the church would recognize that as well. Amen. It's also a very interesting point is that if in forgetting that God is not done with the Jews, this is how he counts time. Like right now, he's not even counting time. So we might want to pay attention to how God views them because if that's how he counts time, in this particular prophecy, Daniel 70 weeks, that, that comes into play uh, big time because right now God's he's hit the time clock, he stopped it, and one day he's going to hit it again, and that's when he's going to look back to his, his people, the is- Israel, the nation of Israel. And I think somebody, one of you said it, that that is the epicenter of, of all of history. Yes. That's how God counts time. That's how he uh, and, lays and out history is around his people, the Jews, the nation of Israel. And Chris... You're hitting something right there that is very important that I would be willing to bet most people don't understand. And people are going to go, what are you talking about? He's, t- he's hitting a time clock. What do you mm-hmm. th- he's actually does it in the uh, Old Testament four times. Right. There's actually f- evidence uh, the time when, uh, uh, just to give you an example, the time when Abraham, uh, when uh, uh, Ishmael was born, God stopped time until Isaac was born. Mm. And and we could show, you know we could take the time and show you that same thing with the 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 temple, uh, when Israel's out of the land or when Israel's being usurped by somebody, God top stops time mm. until they're back in. Uh, and again, uh, you know, listen, you said God stopped time. Uh, well, where, is Israel in their land right now? They are. Do they have full control over their city? They're no, no, they don't. God has stopped time right now. Mm-hmm. That's why we call this period of time that we're living in the church age or the dispensation we're, of grace. We're living in what we what we would might call a parenthetical. Mm. God's not counting time right now. Hence the reason why we're going to see there's such a gap in Daniel's 70 week prophecy. The first 69 weeks took place, and now there's a gap, and we're waiting for the 70th week to uh, to take hold. Jim, did you have something you want to say? Yeah, I just want to touch on what Chris just said in terms of the uh, epicenter. Uh, obviously, the nation of Israel is the epicenter, more specifically, the city of Jerusalem, right? And I remember my son, he came home from school one day. He's a sophomore in high school. And uh, when we were having this problem with Iran recently, he's like, Dad, is this going to start World War III? And I said, nope. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, always look at Jerusalem. Always look there. Because when things start happening there, that's going to be the sign that, hey, something bad is going to happen. That will probably set off World War III. That will probably set off some, uh, you know, the, the rapture of the church and, 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 and the tribulation and things of that nature. So, uh, again, I, I only bring that up is because we need to watch the nation of Israel and more specifically the city of Jerusalem. Uh, because, again, that's being the epicenter, and the promises aren't lost with that. It, it's where Christ is going to reign in the millennial kingdom. Yep. Right. I mean, so. yep. And, 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 and Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, told us, right? Zechariah 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, yeah. saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundations of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, I think we've talked about that before. What's what's that in that day all mm-hmm. about? That's the mm-hmm. day of the Lord. That's mm-hmm. a seven-year tribulation. When you hear us talk about the seven-year tribulation, understand where we're going with this. That's the 70th week of Daniel. Right. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. Uh, he says, and in that day, will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. 
and all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all be people be gathered together against it. So there's coming a time when the whole world's going to be gathered together against Israel, including the United States. Yep. And I don't know that we're all that far off. Yeah. You know, all it takes for us to be against Israel is the president. Yep. The, the person in the office. The next yep. president, man, if he's not for the United States or if he's not for Israel, we're, we're, you know, how, how far, how, how, how's, the, how's the rest of the world with Israel right now? I will you bless know? those that bless you. I will curse mm-hmm. those that curse you. So, you know, this stuff is, it, it, it's amazing how we're watching it unfold. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it's unfolding exactly as the Bible said it would. And that for me is the, it's the exciting part because we have an evidence for, you know, why Christianity uh, but it's also a little scary, yeah. Uh, because a lot of people, man, they just don't understand what's about to happen here. Mm. They don't understand how how uh, how how bad things are about to get. And uh, you know this 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 particular uh, prophecy uh, of of Daniel uh, really unfolds the future of Israel to a T. Okay, um, let's do this uh, with the time we have left. Uh, I want to talk about these uh, feasts of the Lord, okay? And you say, well, why are we talking about the feasts of the Lord? Well, there's some pr- pretty important aspects to the feasts of the Lord that are, are very relevant to us understanding this uh, particular uh, passage in Daniel 9. And then what we'll do is next time uh, we'll unpack the first 69 weeks of the uh, of the passage, and then we'll we'll have to do one more after that. So this will be a little three part episode here, um, and then the, the the our third part will unpack the seventieth week. Um, so let's talk about the feast of the Lord. Um, so Israel is in the wilderness with Moses, and they had just been taken out of Egypt, and God is unveiling all of these uh, laws and, and, and things to the nation of Israel, where, uh, where God wants the nation of Israel to live by. Again, remember, all, all prophecy in the Bible has Israel as the epicenter, okay? Jesus, and I know people may argue what I'm about to say, uh, but they're only arguing it because they're not letting the Bible be the honest truth, Okay? Uh, Jesus was a Jew. He was Jewish. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't an he wasn't a, a an Italian. He wasn't with you know with blue eyes. He, he wasn't an American. Uh, he, he he wasn't black. He he wasn't white. Right. He was olive skinned. Song of Solomon. Okay. And, and he was a Jew. Yeah. Okay. That's what he was. And so we have to understand that the Messiah is Jewish. I mean, I mean, I know that sounds so simple, but it's amazing to me how many people will argue that. And you know what, Frank? We have to remember as well that the Bible that we hold in our hands, the King James Version, is a Jewish book. Yes. Yeah. It's a Jewish book with a Jewish God of, 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 of which uh, the nation of Israel are his chosen people. We got to remember that. We have to put that in perspective. We, we try to Americanize everything, right? And, and uh, so I think that's an important point to remember. We really do. Okay, so again, going back to these feasts of the Lord, uh, and, and we could spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, what I would, uh, 
here's here's a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> what I would uh, honestly uh, uh, suggest, if you really want to get into what, what you know, you know a lot of this. Um, you know, the Lord has given me the opportunity and, and privileged me the ability to write a book. Uh, it's called The Revealing. Uh, and, and, and many of these things that we're talking about, especially over the course of these next uh, three or so uh, podcasts, uh, are, are all found in that book. Um, if you happen to have a copy of The Revealing, it's, uh, what I'm talking about right now is on page 126 of the book. Um, if you don't have a copy of it, uh, you can go to www.onebaptistjacks.world uh, and uh, pick yourself up a copy of it. Um, I think we have it on the site for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, this, this is fifteen years of of me uh, just with the Lord and with His book, uh, studying prophecy, uh, and so I think I, I, I sure, certainly hope it. it, it if you do have a copy or if you want to obtain a copy, that you'll find it very help, helpful to you. Anyways, uh, we're, we're talking about page 126, uh, the Feast of the Lord. And so what God does is he lays out these uh, seven feasts that Israel is to keep. Okay, Let me, let me make sure we, we repeat that. Right. Who, who is supposed to keep these feasts? Yeah, Israel. Because there's a lot of people today that are trying to keep these feasts. In the mm, church, mm. and I don't know why. Yep. Okay. The, the, these feasts are not the church's feasts. These can are I, not Gentile feasts. Can I ask you a question about that, just real quick? Um, those that practice or do remembrance of the Passover, a, a New Testament church that might seek to, for whatever reasons, re- do members of the Passover, though they they're not Jews or Messianic Jews even. Uh, thoughts on that, real quick, while we're talking about that. Again, the Passover same feast, thing, right? Passover feast is a Jewish feast, correct? Yeah, and, and 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 the way you know these are all Jewish feasts, because again, right? What do we talk about? The three applications of Scripture. So these feasts historically were given to the nation of Israel. Israel okay, devotionally, yes, there are certainly things we can learn from them and we can take from them as as, uh, but but they don't apply to us doctrinally. But again, what is doctrine? Doctrine is always taught prophetically. And so guess what these seven feasts do? Mm-hmm. They're all yeah. prophetic. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And 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 again, their, their, their prophecies are fulfilled through the nation of Israel. Again, let me repeat that. Their prophecies are fulfilled through the nation of Israel. It's, it's Israel that is in view when it comes to the fulfillment of these prophecies. Okay, so uh, let's, let's just quickly break down the, the, the seven feasts. Uh, and again, you'll, you'll find them in, uh, in uh, uh, the book of uh, Exodus, uh, chapter 12, and, and uh, Leviticus 23, I think, is where you'll see the rest of them, if I remember correctly. Um, so you have, you have seven feasts. You have the Passover feast. You have the Feast of, uh, of Unleavened Bread. You have the Feast of first fruits, You have the Feast of, of uh, Pentecost, we, we, we call it now. Okay, uh, you have the, uh, the, the, the Feast of um, Trumpets, you have the Feast of uh, Day of Atonement, and then you have the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, seven feasts of the Lord. All right, so the first feast, as found in Exodus chapter number 12, uh, breaks down what Israel was supposed to do because the 10th plague was about to be unleashed on Egypt. 
Egypt is a picture of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of prophetical application there we could talk about, but let's just keep it simple. What, what, what was Israel supposed to do? On the 10th of Nisan, which, by the way, the month of Nisan is a Jewish month mm-hmm. that falls in our Gregorian calendar where we live by in America uh, in the months of March or April, yeah. pending. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, so in the month of Nisan, they were supposed to take a perfect lamb without blemish yeah. on the 10th of the month. They were supposed to examine that lamb. And then on the 14th of the month, they were supposed to kill the lamb, take the blood, and strike it on the doorpost uh, and the two side posts. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. that forms a cross. Uh, I'm sure that's for my Jehovah Witness friends. Uh, they wouldn't like that very much, but it mm-hmm. does. It does form a cross when you do that. Okay. And, and, and uh, then on uh, the 17th of Nisan, uh, you were to wave uh, a sheaf, uh, a palm sheaf, uh, if you will, uh, for, um, for the first fruits. Okay. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, obviously, God tells Israel to celebrate this, uh, this feast. Okay. Well, fast forward. So what happens is on the, the, the 10th of Nisan, uh, which uh, uh, in the year 32 AD, the, the Passover lamb, yeah. uh, Jesus Christ, rode in uh, and presented himself uh, to the nation of Israel uh, as the, their king, their Messiah. Four days later, uh, they killed him on a Roman cross on the 14th of Nisan. <laughs> okay? And then three days later, on the 17th of Nisan, he was the first fruit resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. Mm. So, uh, again, he fulfilled all three of the first three feasts of the Lord. You say, well, what about the unleavened bread? Okay. Mm. Well, when he was put on that cross, what did he do? What does, what does leaven uh, promote in the Bible? What is it a picture sin. of? Sin. He took the sin out of the world and put it on him while on the cross. So, okay, as Israel is to be celebrating this feast, understand prophetically, what, 1,500, 2,000 years later, on a Roman cross, Jesus was going to fulfill these feasts. Again, why? Because it's all about Israel. Jesus is the Messiah. He is a Jew. Okay? You took the blood and you struck it on the, 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 the door, uh, and, and when the, the death angel came, he saw the blood and he would pass over that house and go on to the next one. That's the reason why we need the blood of Christ on us spiritually so that when the death angel comes, uh, they see the blood of Christ and they pass over uh, anybody who accepts Christ as Savior. Yeah, amen. Okay. Real quick, uh, and, and, and I guess it's, it's not relevant to our conversation, but uh, understand that the uh, fourth feast is a Pentecost. And what that is, just so you know, Pentecost is, is uh, seven, the, the word means 70s, 77s. So, uh, so in other words, um, there was uh, 49 days from the, uh, the first fruit feast until the feast of Pentecost, okay? Technically 50. 49 days and then on the 50th day, would have been the Feast of Pentecost, okay? 
the counting of omers and, and, and things like that in the, in, in the Bible. So, okay, think about it now. Jesus dies on the cross on the uh, 17th of Nisan. Uh, he, he, he then goes into the grave for three days and three nights. He then resurrects. And how many days was he seen on earth for? Forty. Forty. And then he ascends into heaven and he tells his, uh, his boys there, the disciples, to go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the, fa- of, uh, of the promise of the Father. And, of course, they go to, to Jerusalem and they're in the upper room uh, ten days later. Okay, and, and, of course, what happens? The Feast of Pentecost. Again, I want to emphasize. Who? Who, 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 who gets the Feast of Pentecost? Right. Is, Jews. That, is that the church? No. So when you go to Acts chapter 2, as you mentioned, Robert, uh, one of the very first things we have to understand is, uh, although we might be able to argue that was the beginning of the church, I don't think so. I think if you really wanted to argue when the beginning of the church with, you'd have to go back to John chapter number 21, uh, when, when Jesus breathed into his disciples the Holy Ghost, I would argue that's when the church started. But even so, even so, regardless, no Gentile's been been uh, 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 grafted in yet. The first seven chapters of, 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 of Acts, they're all Jews. They're in Jerusalem. It's all Jewish. Gentiles haven't been grafted in yet. If you wanted to become a, uh, you, look, you couldn't even call them Christians yet because they weren't even called Christians yet. But if you wanted to be a follower of Messiah and you were a Gentile, you had to convert to Judaism. That, that, was the, that would have been the criteria. So when you go to Acts 2 and you start pulling church doctrine out of there, like so many churches do, you're in trouble right away. You've misaligned and misrepresented the Bible and, and, and put verses in the, out of context. Uh, you didn't put them in the right place. Okay, with all that being said, real quick, the fifth feast is the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, well, 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 well interestingly enough, what happens when the, uh, when, the, when, when the church is raptured out of here? What is there a blowing of? Yeah, trumpet, trumpet. Okay, see, but you want to know what the church has done? The church has made the rapture the prime event. No, the rapture is a remover of the church because God's about to blow the trumpet of war on planet Earth and start to start to move into Daniel's 70th week and putting his focus back on Israel now. That's what the Feast of Trumpets is all about. Okay, again, make sure we understand that. Important. Why? Because the epicenter is not the church. The epicenter is Israel. And by the way, start playing all that together, and I'd love to take the time to do it, but you start putting all that together, the church can't go through the tribulation. Mm. Or it's messing up the seven feasts of the Lord, and God's feasts are no longer valid. Okay, what's the Day of Atonement? The Day of Atonement, the high priest, right, <laughs> right went into the, uh, the the Holy of Holies and made made an atonement for who? Sons of Israel. The nation of Israel. Yep. And so what's going to happen on the Day of Atonement? Jesus Christ, when Israel finally calls upon him as their Messiah, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, is going to return to planet Earth to do what? Save all of Israel, mm-hmm. Romans 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and then you had the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, do you remember over there in uh, Matthew 17? You had Peter, John, and right. James, and they all were up on, on, a, on a mountain with mm-hmm. Jesus, and Jesus was transfigured before them. Yeah. 
veiling back his flesh, showing them for who he really was, right? And 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 what did and Moses and Elijah were there? Huh. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Who <laughs> witnesses are, uh, right? And, and what does what does what does Peter want to build? He wants to build three tabernacles. All right. Because he understands those seven feasts, he yep. understands the prophetic, and he thought it was happening right then and there. And 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 what Jesus says is, it would have been if they accepted John the Baptist as Elijah, but they didn't. <laughs> okay, so anyways, and obviously they didn't accept Jesus either. All those feasts, again, who are they focused on? Israel. Israel. When those tabernacles are sent up, set up, if you go to Zechariah chapter fourteen. Uh, everyone's all, the whole world's going to come to Israel. You want to know why they're all going to come to Israel? Because that's where Messiah is going to set up his throne in Israel. Right. <laughs> so none of those seven feasts have anything to do with the church. None of them have anything to do with Gentiles. It has everything to do with the fulfillment of of pro- prophecy from a uh, uh, from Israel and Jerusalem standpoint. Now, does the church? And does Gentiles, from a offset, get some things out of that? Sure, of course. Mm-hmm. But don't put those as these are to the church. Right. Once you do that, you replaced Israel. You done messed it up, and you're no longer in in the uh, in the realm of, of 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 putting honest Bible prophecy together. So prophetically speaking, Frank. The first four feasts have taken place. They've happened. Yes. But the last three have not. And why? Because that's what we're going to be delving when, into. Wh- but why haven't the last three taken place? Because what are we living in now? The church age. The parenthetical. Yep. God's and not God's attention's not on Israel right, right now. And so now we're waiting for those last three. The, the last three feasts will not take place until the church is taken out of here and God's mm-hmm. attention gets turned back on Israel. Mm-hmm. Man. That's some amazing stuff. When you just sit back and even just listening to the the feast and how they laid out and how it works prophetically, and I mean, man, on his best day, cannot just conjure something like that up. I mean, just to to see those things, and we get to look at look back at a lot of those things being in the twenty first century and see how that historically has unfolded. Um, so we're just at a really exciting time right now, um, a really crucial time, and and uh, man, I, I just think about those in, in centuries past who or decades past, who uh, may have not been able to see some of these things that we are, especially at the rate that things are unfolding as they are. But it's just really an incredible time, an incredible thing the Lord has done in His book. Mm. And um, so uh, we're going to continue this discussion uh, next episode um, for part two. We'll dive into some more specifics regarding Daniel's 70th week. So we do hope that you will join us then. Uh, But until next time, do take care. Thank you for listening to The Revealing a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor, Frank Silvaggio. Associate Pastor, Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.